Welcome back to Parenting Today. Hey, John. How hey, are you doing? Good, Kurt. How are you? I'm good. It's John and Kurt here, and we're uh, we're back for our Thursday edition. Uh, we always start off Thursdays with Thursday's thoughts, which is really just we're asking each other an unprepared question. Although I will admit right now that John knows the question I'm about to ask him. He did so prepare me. I, I even tried to stop him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't allow you to be unprepared. But in the news, there was a little bit of an online controversy over a lady who reclined her seat on an airplane. And a gentleman, and I use that term loosely, who, <laughs> uh, because, uh, because he didn't want her to recline her seat, he, would, he was just shaking her seat. He was just lightly punching, although she said before she started videoing, he was punching it much harder, um, uh, punching the seat the whole time. Uh, like in frustration because she reclined. Now his seat couldn't recline because he was in the back. And I just looked at that as a parent and I was like, well, that guy's acting like a toddler, like suck it up, <laughs> uh, you know, but apparently I'm, you know, not, I don't know if I'm in a majority or minority, but there are people who say that you should never recline your seat when you fly, that it's rude to recline your seat. So John, you fly a lot more than me. John, when you fly, do you recline or do you not recline? How about kind of turning this on you a little bit? What do you think I do before I give you the answer? Just for knowing me and personality, what do you think I do? I think that you recline and not because of your personality, but only because you're tall and <laughs> you're looking for a little extra room. Hmm. But um, but maybe you don't. I don't know. Personality-wise, I would guess no. But <laughs> you're taller than me, and I know how plain I, I know how planes can be for people who have long legs. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna say maybe you do recline. Okay. I don't know. What, what's no, the answer? Yeah, fair, fair there. Um, I do not recline. So yeah. I typically, you know, it depends on the the flight. You can pick your seat. I typically try to get the aisle seat, um, just so I do have some. I was always told it was. I was always told it was rude to pick your seat, but whatever. <laughs> that joke coming in. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I try to get the aisle if I can, but yeah, I typically do not recline. And you know, it is uh, you re recognize everyone's in there crammed in, and um, you know, going back, you're you're going to be inconveniencing the person behind you. But you know, oftentimes people in front of me they're reclining, and yeah, they've got the the right to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like this, this seems so cut and dry to me. If these were my two children, I would, I would not get onto the kid who reclined and the, the kid who was punching the chair, I'd be like, grow up and be a man. And this person is like an adult. So I'd really tell them that like, come on. Um, if you buy my, in my mind, if you buy the chair, you buy, if you buy the seat, you buy all of its functions. Mm -hmm. Um, you, and if it can recline, then you buy the reclining function yeah. and, uh, you know, so, and if, and if that bothers the person behind you, well then they can either recline and if they can't recline, then they should have bought a better seat or they could just tough it out. You know, mm -hmm. this isn't a transatlantic flight, by the way. I think this was flight was a domestic flight that was shorter than three hours. Like I think you're going to be okay. I, um, I wonder how this yeah. whole thing would have been handled, resolved, whatever. Were we not in the, the time of social media, you know, where the woman just picks up her phone and starts to record this guy, you know, would she have just pressed called the um, flight attendant back there? And Apparently she mess? did. Okay. Apparently she did call the stewardess and the stewardess, um, flight attendant, I don't know, flight like, attendant. 
It's stewardess no more. Sorry. Flight, flight attendant. I, I love the word stewardess, and here's why. And I will continue to use it because it's the longest word that you can type with just your left hand on the keyboard. Interesting. So, stewardesses, actually. Huh. So I'm going to continue to use that word, you know. The longest word you can type with just your right hand is lollipop. I'm here for you. When how, you how did that you know that? Knowledge, but, how did you know that? Hmm? How did you know that? I don't know what. What you just said. I don't remember how I know that. <laughs> I learned it obviously at some point, but. All right. Well, look. Um, stewardesses used to be my password to a bunch of different things. Ooh. It's no longer. I no longer use it. But we'll see about that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's something out there. Let me try to log into Kurt's old Hotmail address uh, email. See if I can <laughs> <laughs> figure that out. Hotmail was Hotmail was awesome. Way to go! It okay, wasn't, Gmail just man, Gmail just knifed Hotmail in the back and was like, "See you later." <laughs> Hotmail left Hotmail dying on the street. <laughs> okay, here, here's my question for you, Kurt. What is the last movie you and Marty watched together? Ooh, does that have to be a movie? Yeah, if you can. I know, um, you know, TV series could be more popular. The last thing, we've watched several stand-up comedians together recently. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be able to remember. I'm worried I'm not going to be able to remember past that. Okay. But uh, we watched uh, Nate Bargatze's special on Netflix together. Is it? I guess yeah. that's technically a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the Tennessee are, Kid. He's he's funny. Really enjoyed it. He's funny. Yes. Um, really, really enjoy. Would it, would it help if I said the last movie you two saw in the movie theater? Would that kind of oh, help Doctor. you? I know. I mean, it's, um, it's been a while for for me. Like I, I can't off the top of my head think oh, of what that is. But I, trolls, trolls. Oh. The last movie we saw in the movie theater, was trolls. We Terrible. took Campbell when he was like five. Okay. Well, what about this? No, just uh, the two of you. Can you even remember? Oh, uh, no? we don't get. Okay. We don't go to the movies. So okay. That's just not, not something that we do, Marty. The movies are too expensive. I'm just going to be yeah, honest. Like yeah. it's too like, and if if you're going to here's what Marty would say if she was here. I, I I could, with with almost to the word, I bet she would say this. I'm not going to pay money to go and sit in the dark and watch a movie. If I'm going to sit in the dark and pay money, I'd just rather go to sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Marty's great. Yeah, good answer. We used to go to the movies. We used to have. We used to go to the movies. Before we had children, we used to go to the movies a little more frequently, although we were never really a huge movie-going mm-hmm. people. But, um, yeah, and with Netflix and, you know, all this stuff, we yeah. would just rather um, – it's just you, – you could pay for Netflix for like three months in the cost it would take you to go to the movies. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. Yeah. What about okay. you guys? What's the last movie? I You've been to see some movies recently, or at least I remember you texting me about a couple of them. So, well, I, as far as the theater goes, we actually we tried to go with another couple to go see Knives Out um, in December. Yeah, and uh, I've heard was, about this, and I've heard that it's good. Yeah, I mean, it it got some Oscar buzz, and uh, I mean, has been very well received by critics and audiences. I mean, people seem to to really like it. And it came out in uh, in November, and so we went, you know, a month after it had been in the theater, and it was sold out. And so we did not get to go see it. Uh, so um, I'm still wanting to see that. But the last one we saw um, was Crazy Stupid Love, um, which was, you know, it was Valentine's Day recent, uh, recently, and so we're like, okay, let's kind of watch a romantic comedy. And, um, you yeah, know, it's got Steve Carell, uh, Julian, Juliana Moore, 
uh, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, uh, a lot of people in there. Kevin Bacon makes an appearance, Marisa Tomei. Um, it's got some some inappropriate content. It's also got some interesting stuff too. So anyway, we can uh, we can go ahead and break and that'll go, serve as a good segue uh, for our discussion today. All right, Kurt. Um, so uh, Thursday thoughts were focused on movies and I know on Tuesday we also talked about Ricky Gervais, uh, his monologue at the Oscars. One of the comments that he made was, you know, this this award show should really just be, okay, Netflix, you win. All right. (laughs) You won Netflix uh, because no one cares about movies anymore. No one goes to the movie theater, as you just said. It's expensive, all that kind of stuff. And there's been, you know, some some serious concern uh, as you think about, okay, the Oscars and also Golden, Golden Globes. You know, the Oscars did not want to recognize many Netflix films um, as true movies because they're not released in the theater. And so we, you and I, Kurt, had the discussion of what is a movie. We talked about that previously. Um, does it have to kind of be released in a, in a theater to be considered a movie? And so, um, you know, even the way in which the Oscars went, some of the movies being rewarded um, or people thinking they should be rewarded did not receive Oscars. And you have some people out there who think it's only because these films were on Netflix and not released in, in the theater. And so you, you kind of have some, you know, tension there. And um, anyway, that kind of serves as just kind of a, a comment that Ricky Gervais made as well as uh, some, some content at, at the Oscars. But maybe just what are your thoughts on that, Kurt? Is it, the culture is kind of discussing this and they're, they're kind of thinking, okay, Netflix, not really movies, all that kind of thought. Just react to that a little bit. Well, I don't care. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. What, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me what uh, what they think is a movie and what's not a movie. Uh, I thought The Irishman was a movie. It was certainly long enough to be a movie. <laughs> um, I think it's still going on. It's like was it <laughs> seven hour movie? So um, so it certainly feels like one. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. By the way, I, I pulled it up, so I'll just say it. We talked about Ricky Gervais and his Golden Globes. Uh, two things that he said. Uh, someone asked him uh, what he would say if he was hosting the Oscars, and he said he would open with this. I can't wait to hear all your inspirational speeches about equality, and it's great that the three hours you're here tonight is the only time your badly paid migrant house staff will get some time off to sleep this week. <laughs> Ricky Gervais coming in hot. And then... Uh, uh, that's probably why they didn't ask him to host. Uh, and then he, he followed that up with this comment. He said, I, I have nothing against the most famous people in the world using their privileged global platform to tell the world what they believe. I even agree with most of it. I just tried to warn them that when they lecture every day, when they lecture everyday hardworking people, it has the opposite effect. So wow. anyway, man. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Gervais. Uh, I didn't expect to talk about him as much as we have, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't pay a lot of attention to the Oscars. I don't know who won what. And, uh, that if you know me, that should surprise you 0%. Um, but I do think that, you know, media has changed and, you know, I, I'm, I don't ever assume that what I do is what normal people do, but I, I don't go to the movies very much if at all. And, 
I remember seeing uh, The Dark Knight Rises in the theater. Um, <laughs> that came out in what, like 2009 or something like that? Uh, so, uh, and we might take our, our children to see, uh, you know, the animated movie of the, of the day, whether it's Secret Life of Pets or Trolls or uh, Marty took uh, the boys to see Sonic uh, while I was out of town. So the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So that's really our consumption of movies. And it's, yeah. I don't really get into it, just to be honest. I know that's a terrible way to do a conversation on a podcast, but yeah, huh? it's, it doesn't. It, yeah. It's it's not at all. I just think we're at an interesting point in our culture. I and mean, I, I did not watch all of the Oscars and, and did not um, you know, pay, pay too much attention to it. I do think it does serve as a window into the culture, and it allows us to kind of hear what some of the quote-unquote influential people in the culture who have platform uh, what, what they think is important, what 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 they're passionate about, and so it can be helpful uh, to watch it. But we're we're just at an interesting point in our culture where, as R- Ricky Gervais highlighted, and yeah, I'm with you. It is kind of funny how much we've brought his name up, but uh, the the influencers in this culture are losing their influence. That um, Hollywood is in somewhat of a crisis because you do have movie theaters closing down. Uh, you have um, uh, movies that are, you know, they're, they're not making money. And so uh, studios are having to be cautious with what kind of films they green light and what kind of films they release and how many they can release and all of those kind of things. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's just that there's a shift there just as, uh, you know, drive-in movie theaters were once a thing. They don't exist for the most part anymore. You know, our movie theater is going to become somewhat extinct. You know, we're going to just pass these empty buildings that were once movie theaters that are now being used for, for something different. And, you know, as far as churches, yeah, exactly. Um, but, but yeah, you know, I mean, something for, for Christians to think about is, that, you know, the, the shared experience uh, to, to go into go into a room with a bunch of strangers and share the experience along with them. Um, you know, there's something interesting just to, to think about there. And even for us as believers to just sit in our house and watch Netflix, you know, maybe even to think, Hey, invite some couples over and watch it in more of a community kind of atmosphere. Um, but you know, the way we're consuming this, this media has changed. And um, I just think it's interesting for us to consider and, you know, some of what, the discussions of the culture is having about the Oscars are the old guard versus the new guard. And you kind of have the new guard being the, the younger and those who are more open to kind of Netflix platforms and all that kind of stuff. I can see you wanted to say something, Kurt. I was just going to say that, uh, I would call, uh, the Oscars. Uh, I think that the, in general, the, the culture's response to the Oscars is, can be summed up in two words. Okay. Boomer. Um, I mean, honestly, like is, we think that Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio are culturally relevant, but we're in our forties or close to our forties. Uh, most of the people who are on social media and, you know, who are younger than us, uh, they're not that important to them. And, um, uh, so, uh, they're not, they're not that important. So, uh, it's just not, uh, I think that there's definitely an instance where, uh, people have overestimated their impact. Um, I know that, uh, that, uh, Brad Pitt had some comment about the impeachment trial in his 
in his acceptance speech of his award. I didn't see it. But does anyone really, I mean, does anyone really care what Brad Pitt thinks about the impeachment? And uh, does anyone care about any of that? Uh, I think there's a there's a self-importance about uh, award ceremonies that it just turns, I think what Ricky Gervais says is right, it turns hardworking everyday people off. And I think there's a reason it does. Um, and uh, I want to pivot a little bit, though, and talk about a few other things uh, that have happened in the in the culture, and one of them has to do with movies and with Netflix, and that's this. We did a whole John, if you recall, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we did a whole short shortened season about uh, Stranger Things, where yes. we watched yeah. season three, uh, and we did a episode by episode breakdown of season three of Stranger Things, and it just so happens that they've released a trailer, a teaser trailer. Uh, for season four of Stranger Things, and and uh, I don't know. Have you seen it? Is I guess my question one. Have you seen it? And uh, and then w- what did you think? Yes. So I, I did see the the teaser trailer. I think it's you know fifteen. I'm sorry, fifty seconds. Um, and it shows Hopper. Uh, for those who haven't mm. seen it, and in know, Russia. Yeah, in, in Russia, and uh, he's working on a rail, railroad. Um, and, you know, I have no idea. When, when Kurt says, okay, yeah, we know Hopper's back, I mean, it is a show called Stranger Things. We, we have no idea, um, you know, when this is taking place, what exactly is going on. I mean, we assume it's picking up right where uh, season uh, four left off. And, uh, yeah, but but we don't – I guess it was season three left off. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, who knows where Stranger Things is going to go with that? Um, you know, is he in another dimension? Uh, who who knows? But, but yeah, it did uh, show him, and he appears to be alive. What were your thoughts, Kurt? Yeah, a little disappointed, actually. Uh, not because I don't like the actor or the character, but only because I feel like it cheapens uh, what happened, uh, especially that letter that he sent to Eleven uh, mm-hmm. uh, of his – I think it cheapens it a little bit, uh, in, in the story. It makes it, uh, you know, you know how we fit. We've talked at length about superhero movies and how, if you know that someone is, has plot armor and is impervious to anything that happens, it kind of cheapens all the drama that's associated with it. So, uh, but excited all the same, uh, interested to see, uh, what's going to happen. Uh, does Hopper become Vladimir Putin? Is that what happens <laughs> in this story? Hey, um, do, do you remember when, uh, when, uh, the next uh, season's coming out. I don't. I don't. Okay. It is so, season I don't four, think it right? Says, mm-hmm, season four is the next season. Okay. We just we re- we did the podcast on season three. Yeah, that's right. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That that did so, that did come out. So there were Stranger Things. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, and then also, uh, in in the world of uh, I, here's something that I think is important when we talk to our children, what, what are some things that we would be absolutely aghast if our, if our children did these things, right? Think about like the sins or the violations of ethics or morals that would be the most uh, concerning uh, to you if your child was involved. I would say that one of the things that we would be really concerned about is cheating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you found out that your child was cheating in school or you know actively trying to gain an advantage, 
um, an illegal advantage over, you know, the, the, her, their classmates or whoever. I feel like that would be, would you feel like that was pretty concerning? Um, yeah, I, I, think I, I, I guess I, so. I, would, I mean, I would be, yeah, but part of me is like, okay, yeah, it's it's common. You know, it's something most of us, I think, if we're honest, we've done. And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, to have the conversation of, yeah, this is, you know, it's deceitful, it's lying, it's um, it's not a good practice. So, yeah, it's it's something we would need to discuss with our children. But, um, you know, I guess yeah, well, the context would matter. All that to say is that one thing that I think is really important is when uh, – when there is an instance where someone violates, you know, a rule like that, um, and, and there don't seem to be any consequences, I feel like that has, a, you know, that speaks to, uh, our youth and our children in a way that other things don't. And when they do have consequences, that speaks as well. And what I'm talking about, and I know I risk, uh, drawing the ire of, uh, many of our board members who are located in this town, but there's a <laughs> baseball team in Houston called the Astros. Uh-uh. And, uh, I don't know if you know or not, but they have been cheating rampantly, uh, in baseball. They've been using, uh, buzzer systems and banging on trash cans and video cameras to steal signs so that batters would know what pitch is coming. And, uh, and they won the World Series. They were in the World Series last year and were defeated, but they were they won the World Series the year before, um, and or two years before. I can't remember which one. Uh, and uh, it seems like there's going to be very little punishment issued out. Uh, they're going to get to keep their uh, titles uh, and everything. And what this makes me think of, um, people are paying attention to this. So much so that uh, a lot of other baseball players and other teams are really actively speaking out against it when it doesn't make baseball look good. Uh, and then athletes from other sports are even speaking out about how uh, about how unjust it is that uh, these people who have cheated uh, would uh, basically get away with it. Um, and what that makes me think of more than anything is a basketball player uh, from the eighties named Lynn bias. And I don't know many of the people who listen to this podcast might not know who Lynn bias is, but he was the number one draft pick out of the university of Maryland. Um, and, uh, in basketball and he died of a, uh, of, of a cocaine, uh, of, of a drug overdose, hmm. uh, because he was using cocaine. He died before he ever played a minute, uh, for the Celtics. He was drafted by the Celtics, uh, they had traded some players, and so Lynn Bias was going to join Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, and they were going to have – the dynasty was going to continue, and they were going to have a super team. And this guy was amazing. If you can go and look up his highlights. But he died of a drug overdose. And prior to that uh, – and this isn't the only reason that this happened, but prior to that, there was a big drug abuse problem in the NBA. And one of the um, – in my estimation, one of the huge factors that, that turned that around for that league – uh, and also turned it around in general was to see someone who was in the prime of their life cut down by drug use um, and killed and how that had just a very uh, frightening, chilling and sobering effect um, on uh, athletes in the future and just the, the culture in general as, as far as uh, drugs were concerned. And that's just one of those situations where someone bore, uh, you know, some serious consequences for their lapse in judgment. And it had a positive effect, I believe, on society and on um, on the culture at large. And I think that the same could be true said about the Astros is that uh, when someone doesn't 
or when these people are cheating and, and they're not punished or there's not severe action taken against them, then that has a negative effect on the culture where people think it's okay to cheat. And even when I mention cheating, you know, um, you say like, well, the context matters. And I would agree, right. Uh, looking over on your, on your neighbor's paper, um, is one thing, um, making a cheat sheet, and uh, hiding it, you know, in your sleeve is another level, right? There's a certain level of deception mm -hmm. that goes along with that. Anyway, this is—I think this is a great opportunity to talk to students, no, um, to talk to our students about how important it is uh, uh, that we suffer the consequences when we break the rules, um, and uh, and how the very the very thing that makes Jesus important to us is that He was willing to suffer our consequences for our rule breaking. So mm -hmm. anyway, it's just something that I've been thinking about. Sermon no, over. No, it's it's not a it's not a sermon. It's uh it's important. I think, you know, some of why we talk about uh, just cultural artifacts, you know, things that are going on in our culture, are to to hopefully um, show okay why we need to be talking about these in the home and the ways in which it gives us little doorways into just worldview. Um, truths that we can be teaching to our children. And so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, something like this on this level, uh, to be talking about it in the home, because I, I don't keep up with Major League Baseball at all. And, and so I do just no, occur. Nor do I, really. Yeah, well, and I, and I obviously heard about this. I don't know a ton of details. And so, Kurt, do you know, as far as the timeline goes, how long had the Astros been cheating? And, and had did they trace it back to like when they won the World Series that they had been cheating at that point? Well, yeah, there's apparently there's video evidence uh, uh, even during the seasons where they won the World Series. And also some of their managers uh, were on the Boston Red Sox who won the World Series between uh, when the Astros uh, won it. And then uh, th th they've won it. The Red Sox have won it recently as well. And their their manager was fired. Uh, but uh, or they were implicated in this scandal as well. But yes, I, I think, um, I think I don't have the dates cause again, I'm not a huge baseball fan. So someone who's more knowledgeable than me can do that. But yeah, anyway, well, yeah, I think, I think they have been implicated. Okay. So. Gotcha. And, and also, I mean, just to, to throw in, uh, I know, uh, the new England Patriots, um, they've, you know, their, their name has been associated with cheating um, frequently in the NFL. And from what I hear, most teams uh, bend the rules a little bit and, and do some cheating. But I know just this past season, uh, they were caught stealing signals as well or having, you know, videotaping uh, the practices that I don't know, again, a ton of the rules, but there are specified times when cameras can be present and when the other team can be present. Well, the Patriots were allowing coaches or were getting coaches into stadiums prior to, you know, that a lot of time. And they were caught videoing the other team and getting some of their signals and things like that. And so, um, I did not follow that too closely and I don't know all that was resolved from that, but just, again, there's some more cheating that's going on. And, and to me, you know, the way I've, I've thought about it too, just from a competition level, it's like, how satisfying is it if you win the game, but you know, like, you know, behind the scenes, well, we cheated to get there is there really that satisfaction to, to win the game, to get the award, to get the recognition, knowing like you did it erroneously, you know? I mean, I think, I think people put it out of their minds. I think a lot of people compartmentalize that and they just don't even think about it. Um, and they forget about it. Um, and, and in their minds, I mean, this is, they didn't cheat, right? And, they don't think about that. And maybe yeah. to that point, Kurt, uh, you've got people who know, I mean, on that level, you know, in the NFL, like 
you're getting fired if you don't win enough games. Like that, your job is on the line. Mm-hmm. And so maybe there begins to be this subtle justification of, well, I want to have income. I want to be able to provide for my family. And so I'm just going to, you know, win at all costs, whatever it takes. Um, who knows? There's got to be an aspect to that, though. Yeah, that escalation we see all through life in sports and politics and culture where people are um, – Less and less, there are more and more they're willing to uh, bend and even break the rules uh, because they feel like their cause is just and they have to, they're not, if, what is the phrase? If you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> um, so uh, interesting, interesting ideology. Let's, can we close with something else besides? Yeah, why don't, why don't you close um, this out? We've got a couple more minutes. Yeah, I was just going to ask if you're re- if you've been reading any books lately. I've been reading one, and I, I was going to mention it. But have you been reading any books lately? And if so, what have you been reading? Yeah, um, I did just recently finish uh, the book entitled "A Change of Affection," and it's by uh, Beckett Cook. Um, it's yeah, an excellent book, um, and and I, I want to get the the subtitle down. I'm, I'm trying to look because I've got it. Um, back in the corner of my office, but it's about a man, uh, Beckett Cook. He was in LA. Um, he was a practicing homosexual and, um, was converted. And, uh, I mean, it's an amazing story. Uh, he was, um, I can't remember if it was production design in Hollywood or, uh, but, but he's, you know, done makeup for Meryl Streep and, and others. And so he was in kind of that, world of Hollywood and just very successful, all of that stuff. And so just to hear uh, his conversion and kind of coming out of that lifestyle and uh, kind of post conversion. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a very interesting story. Um, so a change of affection, um, you know, I would think it's one you could give to students um, who, who, you know, could read that there's only, uh, you know, one part of the story that I can think of that's, it's not graphic, but it just can can be a little upsetting. Um, but still, I would think our, our high school students could read that. Um, and, and I know that the Gospel Coalition, I think, had uh, a blog just kind of uh, reviewing the book. But it's, it's a great book, uh, very helpful, obviously. All the LGBTQ issues that the church is wrestling with, I think it's, it's a helpful book. And he, he gets into kind of frequently asked questions, the last section of the book, questions he has received. Um, and he still, you know, is is a celibate um, Christian and uh, still struggles with same-sex attraction, but he identifies it as uh, sin and handles it in a biblical way. Um, but again, I just think it's helpful for us as a church to have someone who um, is struggling with this sin and getting his perspective can be helpful for the church. So the title of the book, A Change of Affection. Awesome. I am uh, reading, I just started reading a book that's been in the news uh over the last like two years, but I just decided to pick it up uh, recently. It's called uh, 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote uh, for Chaos by Jordan Peterson, who is a uh, clinical psychologist at the University of Toronto and uh, was fa- was made famous online by several different, because of several different things. Uh, and so it became sort of like a, a permanent television guest on uh, many different shows, uh, just touring the nation, kind of a an ideologue or a uh, a thinker that people got behind. I'm reading his book called Twelve Rules for Life, and I will tell you, I'm only two chapters in, and I will tell you this: 
uh, was I'm very intrigued by the fact that uh, he spends much of the time in the first two chapters talking about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, m- much of the time talking about uh, the story of Genesis, uh, of creation, and also of Adam and Eve. I've only, I'm, again, I'm only two chapters in, but he spent a lot of time talking about those, um, about those stories. And uh, obviously, I don't think I don't, I don't know if he's a Christian. I don't know what to think of him, honestly. But uh, but uh, he has these twelve rules for life, and uh, and they're good so far. Uh, the first rule is to uh, stand up straight with your shoulders back, um, and uh, because your posture affects. Uh, more than just uh, whatever, um, more than just you know how you sit and your body. It affects a lot of different things. And then uh, the other, some of the other rules are treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. Make friends with people who want the best for you. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Uh, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. Assume the person. This is the one I. This is why I bought the book because of this rule. Assume the person you are listening to might know something you don't. Hmm. Uh, be precise in your speech. Do not bother children when they are skateboarding. I don't know what that's about. And pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. That's not one I'm going to follow, but I'll be interested to see what his reasoning is. So uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, book I'm reading really interesting. Uh, not for students, I don't think. A little heady. Um, a little. I mean, he's a college professor and he writes like one. Uh, and that's no defense of his writing. I think he's a, or uh, criticism of it. But anyway, yeah. Uh, interesting book. If you're a parent, um, uh, one of the questions he asks in the in the first in the second chapter is, uh, if you're a parent, do you want? Would you rather your child be safe or strong? And his argument is that competency is the only way to safety. That uh, that that most parents try to keep their children safe instead of uh, trying to make them capable or confident and competent. So interesting, interesting, interesting idea. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely. Um, I think his popularity has waned a little bit, but I know there was a time there where it just seemed like everyone was kind of sharing his videos, and I've seen several of them on YouTube and, and yeah, very interesting. I mean, there's a lot that as Christians, we can absolutely agree with some of what he asserts, but if I'm not mistaken, I think people have said that, like he has, de- you know, explicitly stated he is not a Christian and, um, disagrees with, uh, you know, the inerrancy and authority of scripture, but he does make some biblical points and, um, yeah, I mean, interesting things. But again, I could be wrong on that. I, it's not like I've been just a, an avid Jordan Peterson follower and know everything that he said. So it yeah, could be that I, he's, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't listened or seen a bunch of his stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, but it, I, it's just one of those things where if it's something keeps coming up or I keep hearing about it, I'm just like, okay, well, I'm going to go read this really quick. Yeah. Well, hey, Kurt, we right. need to, we need to get going. Um, look, it's good to catch up again. And, and I look forward to next week as you and I talk mm-hmm. about the popular app, TikTok. And hopefully we can both learn some from that and also uh, impart some of what we're hearing about it to, to parents. So uh, talk to you next week, Kurt. Mm. All right. See you, John.